Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I am joined today by Amy Oztan here in the studio with me. And then we will have Andrea Smith um, calling in later. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We are post-Blizzard, so this is like our, our first time in the studio in a couple weeks. Um, we're going to talk about Common Sense Media today. They have a new report on children, teens, media, and body image, and we're going to be joined by Jim Steyer, the founder of Common Sense Media, to talk about really mostly about girls, I think, right? Yeah, well, there just isn't much out there about boys. That's one of the problems. Nobody studies them. So maybe we need to talk about that, too. Um, topic two, yesterday was the Super Bowl, because we record this on Monday, and we're going to talk about the Like a Girl commercial and campaign from Always, which... Um, I loved it. I loved it, too. But it's like riding a wave of these girl confidence ads, I think. And then we're going to tackle some digital dilemmas, which, of course, this week is Valentine's Day, which I think is the bane of every parent's <laughs> existence. And Valentine's Day and Halloween, it's a toss-up for me on, like, how you're supposed to be crafty and original and show your love for your child. Like, it all becomes about your kid instead of about your spouse. I don't know. We're going to talk about At the end of the day, I end up with chocolate, so it's all okay. Uh, that's better than I get. Um, and then we're going to do our parenting bites, the one thing that every parent should know about this week. So let's jump on in with topic one and common sense media. So we're going to jump into topic one right now. We have Jim Steyer on the phone. He's the founder of Common Sense Media, which we've talked about before on the show as an amazing resource for parents to find out really everything about movies, TV, games that your kid is interested in and sort of has a fantastic parent point of view on everything as well as experts. Hi, Jim. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for joining us today. We were really interested. I will tell you that we printed out, Amy even has it in front of her, and read, I think, all 60-something pages of the Common Sense Media Report on Children, Teens, Media, and Body Image. And this is, I mean, it's a huge report. Yep. And I'd love to, can you give us a little background on why Common Sense decided to delve into this and create this report? Sure. Common Sense Media is uh, the nation's leading kids media and education organizations. So we do a lot of research reports on the impact of media, technology, and the 24-7 digital environment on the lives of kids and families. We have been focused on the impact of media on body image for almost a decade now and have run a number of different campaigns uh, with major uh, networks about the impact of media on both boys and girls' body image. What we decided to do with this report was to have a summary of some of the latest facts and research on how uh, body image is powerfully influenced uh, by various forms of media and technology. And for anyone who wants to read the report, they can see that this is an enormous challenge. And as the father of four kids, two girls and two boys, I know that media and technology are shaping the way they view their bodies. And that is a very major concern for me as a parent. And I think for millions of other common sense media users in a di- as well. So, I mean, you're so well-versed in this, and you guys, really, this is your, your day-to-day work at Common Sense. Was, were there findings in this report that really surprised you? Yeah, I think the thing that most surprised me as a parent and a four and having run in a very large kids and media organization is that it starts so early today. I think the fact that we saw that even preschoolers learn that society judges them and people by how they look 
is a really scary thing. I mean, the data shows that more than half of girls and one-third of boys as young as six to eight years old feel that their ideal body type is thinner than their current body size. Now, that's really hitting kids when they're in kindergarten or first grade, and therefore just think about the the impact on their lives as they get older and become teenagers and start spending a lot of time on social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram. So I think it's the fact that it's the early the early onset of these concerns and the self-esteem and self-image issues that really struck me. That's what really surprised me, too, when I read the study, because when my daughter was about six and the whole body image thing started with her, I was totally not prepared for it. I saw that as a teenage thing, and it just floored me that at six, she and her friends were talking about this and that she was worried about being fat. And she was all over this study. It was like you wrote it about her. Well, that's the thing. You know as a mom, I know it um, as a parent, uh, but also, you know, as the, the head of an organization where we have about 50 million unique users, and we hear from people all across the country and, quite frankly, around the world about these concerns. But we did not see, even though we've done a lot of research on media and technology from the zero to eight age range, we had not seen these concerns about body image start so young. I think it's because of the proliferation of digital platforms, quite honestly. I don't think it's coming from Sesame Street and, and programs on uh, uh, you know Nick Jr. or uh, uh, the, uh, Disney Channel Jr. I think it's much more the digital Im- images uh, on, on some of the social media stuff that kids are exposed to at younger and younger ages. And I think second, just the advertising that's constantly out there that little kids are exposed to. Do you think, though, Amy and I were talking about this before the show, when we were growing up, we didn't have Disney Channel and Teen Nick. We didn't have these sitcoms. I mean, we had some, like Silver Spoons or whatever, but but this, like, huge factory of sitcoms where it is... The girl, they all look the same, right? They're a Selena Gomez or Victoria Justice or whatever it is. Um, And it's very also, I think, racially stereotyped, many of them. There's always like the smart smart Asian girl, or as my daughters who wear glasses say, oh, she must be the smart girl. She's wearing glasses. There's there's so much more kid-aimed entertainment than I think there was. That's true. I think that's true, but I think I'd say a couple of things. One, I think there is, in volume terms, clearly a lot more than when you were growing up or I was growing up. And again, I have four kids, and they've they've all gone through the cycle of watching TV and, and within limits, because you know I'm, I am the founder of Comedy. Right. Media, so <laughs> I'm very careful about that. But you know, I, I I think that. But I would tell you that. We, I, we know the people, obviously, who run all the major television networks, all the major movie studios, all the major advertising firms, and all the big tech companies. That's, we're a common sense we're a dominant player in our field, so we have to know the people who run those companies. And I do personally. In many cases, I've worked with, like, particularly with the people like at Disney or Nick. I've known the people who run those platforms for 20 years or more. And I actually respect them as child-oriented people. I do think they think about that. So notwithstanding your point, which is a good one about, you know, the kids wearing glasses, and there are little stereotypes, but I think they're very sensitive about this. I would tell you that, and there are, yes, the Victoria Justices and, the, you know, all the Selena Gomez's, we get that, and they're, they're in the business of marketing those characters. But I don't think that's the biggest or most pernicious influence here on body image. I do not. I think that comes, I think there is some, uh, I think some influence, because one of the research pieces we saw from this study is that 87% of the female characters 
ages 10 to 17. Remember, little kids skew up and look up, look up right. to older kids. On the most popular kids' TV shows are below average in weight, right? So I think that is a factor, but I think it's really the constant advertising images that can be in print or online or on TV. I think it is the social media influences of uh, kids trying to make themselves look cooler and prettier than, or more hunky than they really are. So I do think all of these are factors, and I think some elements of the media and technology universe are more sensitive to, to, the, to this than others, and we hammer them for it, and we hope that this research will change the way some of them do their business. One of the things that was really clear in the report, which I, I think we always come back to, is that how big a role parents play in a role yeah. model. And I know that moms, you know, they have these studies that moms who diet all the time, moms right. who put their own bodies down all their time, and their, right. you know, their children tend to do the same. I mean... Can you guys talk to that a little bit? Because I do think that's we lose sight of that when we just we, talk about the media. We do. I mean, we talk. Look, I'm, we're very clear, and you know, common sense is, and it has eighty-five thousand plus member schools. We have you know fifty million unique users now, and a very large advocacy platform too. And so we talk to people and parents constantly about this. The schools program, you know, we talk to tens of thousands of parents every month about stuff like this. And the truth is, we live in a very body-conscious society, in a very image-conscious society, where advertising is built around that and where idealized, stereotypical, and often age-appropriate images of how people are supposed to look, age-inappropriate images of how people are supposed to look are everywhere. I mean, it's sort of a hall of mirrors. The truth, though, is, is that you are your child, your parents are the children's first teacher. So if they're constantly dieting or worrying about how they look and constantly emphasizing that to their kids, girls and boys, that's going to be the single biggest influence of all. And there are millions of parents out there who do not understand how much they're influencing their kids in that regard. So it is a dialogue and a conversation that has to happen. And parenting, parents are a big part of the uh, a big part of the solution, but in some cases they're a significant part of the problem as well. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I not coincidentally, I've been dieting since I gave birth to my first child. <laughs> right. And I was always very, very careful never to say dieting, never to say counting calories, never to see, never to let them see that part of it. And when they would ask me why I was weighing my food or why I was eating a frozen meal, I would say, "Oh, I'm I'm being healthy. I'm being healthy." And I wonder if they just saw through that right from the beginning. It's hard to say. It would depend on your relationship with your kids. I think the truth, though, is, as a mom, you have the opportunity to talk to your kids about these issues on a regular basis and point it out. You can also, if they watch TV shows or they watch or you're letting them go online or use different other forms of digital media, you can go with them and have that conversation with them. So look, I understand why you dieted after you had a child. My wife did too, and a lot of people do. And, you know, even I myself try to occasionally, I'm a former athlete, sometimes if I think I'm a little heavy, I'm a runner, I lose weight. I can talk to my kids openly about it, and we talk about these stereotypes, and having said it, my kids are still subject to those media influences incredibly. Uh, that said, the discussion is critical. Having an open and honest dialogue about it, and also the unrealistic nature of some of the images that are out there is critical, because there is an onslaught, which has increased exponentially with the digital and social media platforms. And you can see, as a parent and as an educator, some of the anxiety and self the destructive behavior and what kids are reflecting back to us. I mean, the other thing is, I think the other thing that's changed in the last few, five, ten years is that young people today are not just passive consumers of media and technology. They are creators of media messages, meaning that they have the tools to encourage 
more realistic and healthy portrayals of girls and boys. So they can be good in that regard. And we actually, at Common Sense, promote that a lot. Um, so I think young people are part of the solution here, too, in the same way that parents are. And certainly holding media and technology companies much more accountable for what they're doing is a critical element of, of of reducing some of this pressure and, and changing some of these images. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I love that you guys talk about sort of the positive use of social media. I mean, that's what we do at Kids Views, where it's kids creating their own videos. And we feel very strongly that kids should be creators and not just passive consumers of content. Um, can you talk just a little bit before we have to let you go about how girls in particular, I think, are using social media? Well, that's a big deal. To yeah. me. I mean, as a parent, to be honest with you, to really cut through this, the big two things I, uh, I saw from this study are the, the, the young age at which these influences start to hit kids was the thing that shocked me the most. But the other piece is the impact of social media, particularly on girls, and the fact that, you know, half of girls, teen girls now, Photoshop their images on Facebook and Instagram, that you have all those Instagram beauty contests, that you have all the different ways in which kids feel peer pressure and social pressure to look different and to be to not like their bodies. I, I think the social platforms like Facebook and Instagram are particularly pernicious in this area and, and have not done nearly enough to take responsibility for it. You know, I wrote a book, as you guys may know, called mm-hmm. one of the books I wrote was called Talking Back to Facebook, which sold has sold very well and, and in it I made the case that whether we like it or not, digital media has this incredible impact on the social emotional uh, and cognitive development of young people, and that when it comes to issues like body image, the social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and now Vine and some of the other video and even YouTube are just incredibly powerful impactors, and oftentimes very negatively, because the kids are phonying up their images and photoshopping what they look like and feeling huge pressure to look this way or that. That, as a parent, is deeply troubling to me. As an educator, it's deeply troubling to me. And I think that if I were going to focus on this as a parent, I would really be taking a look at that piece because, and that is, again, that is an area where kids are doing some of the creating themselves, where they're shaping their own images, but where you can really see the pernicious influence of this body image stuff. A point I would make to you is we're about to launch a campaign, and that you guys will see, around body image with one or two of the major media companies in the United States to focus on this because... There needs to be a very much different and more positive message sent out about this, and we are in the middle of finalizing a plan to see if we can make that happen. And part of it is adults telling young people, you don't need to look this way. Right. In fact, it's unhealthy. So, you know, this is a conversation that we're going to be having for many years to come, and we want people out there to go to commonsense.org to sign up and help us do this campaign, and most of all, to educate yourself about how you can raise kids in a healthy way and, to, and help them understand and decode some of the messages they're getting from media technology platforms. I think that's a great idea. I think particularly sort of taking back your Instagram feed. Um, you know, I think Instagram is everything for tweens everything. and teens. Huge problem. So Snapchat for all the kids. Yeah. And so is Facebook. But Instagram, if you had to ask one now, but remember, Facebook owns Instagram. Right. Facebook has huge responsibilities in this area. And in, in many times, I don't think they live up to them. And, no. and the people who run that company should really look very deeply at themselves and the, and that and the platforms that they run and make billions of dollars off of and ask themselves what they could do differently around these issues. Right. No question. Well, but there are other platforms as well where we need to see this leadership from men and women. It's largely men who run 
most technology companies, but in the case of Facebook and some of the other ones, they're also very powerful women. So it's time for those uh, executives to step up and change some of this and take leadership in educating themselves, their companies, and, and, and ultimately their young audiences about these issues. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we're going to start to see some change as they have their own children who start to come of age. I think mm. that is, we're seeing a little Depends. bit of that now. Depends. People bifurcate their lives, they make money, and they make an awful lot of money from an advertising. The advertising factors are huge here, So, and the whole yes. focus on clothes and, and, and advertising and makeup and hair and all the billions and billions of dollars that are spent advertising directly to young kids about these issues makes it pretty hard. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, thank you so one much. one where we at Common Sense are happy to work with you guys and every parent and educator and kid out there. So, uh, you know, you'll see more from Common Sense and from this, a lot more on body image. You'll come to commonsense.org and find out what you can do. We're happy to partner with you guys, Rebecca and Amy, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we were so happy to have you, and this is a really great study. We're going to link to it from our Facebook page. Good, good, good. And good. Uh, thanks for joining us today. It was really great. Good luck. It's good great. luck as moms. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck taking Absolutely. on the big guys. So. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Good to talk to you guys. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. So great. This is sort of the perfect segue, I think, to topic two. And now we have Andrea Smith, our tech reporter extraordinaire on the phone, <laughs> joining us. On the phone she's, from the New Jersey Bureau, frozen in. Right. She's iced in in New Jersey. Um, right. Our New Jersey Bureau. So we are going to dive into topic two, which was we record on Monday. So yesterday was the Super Bowl. And of course, actually, they just had a study today that 45% of people only watch the Super Bowl for the ads. That's me. That's me, too. And the um, food. I didn't even make it through all the ads. I turned on Downton Abbey at 9 o'clock because I was so bored. <laughs> I missed some of the ads, and I was definitely there for the food. Um, yeah, so um, the Super Bowl ads, right, at this point, it's like they release them early. They try to get buzz on them. They're so much more. There were some bads. There were some misses. I don't care about all that. You can read about. You can go to your favorite sites and see. BuzzFeed, I'm sure, has some list of every ad and whatever. Um, we're going to talk about the Like a Girl ad from Always um, and campaign, which I thought was really funny that it was from Always. It was very subtle at the end. Yeah, um, I kind of was looking. I thought maybe it was a Dove commercial, you know, one of those nice, touchy-feely Dove ads that they do. Right, and I think Dove did sort of start this. Yeah. Um, although I feel like this Like a Girl campaign was probably inspired by a little startup called Hello Flow. Yeah. Um, who had a viral ad last year where the girls went to summer camp and it was like Camp Gyno. <laughs> yeah, we'll link to that video we'll because that it video. is brilliant. And it went crazy viral. I don't know how well Hello Flow is doing. Um, it's a monthly subscription period box. I don't know. I don't know how that's doing where it sent you like tampons, pads, and chocolate basically every <laughs> month. Um, but the ad was so brilliant. And I think definitely there had to have caught the attention of the makers of the world's worst commercials, which are your traditional tampon 
pad commercials that show women leaping around in white outfits. Right. Um, Beautiful flowing white dresses. Right. That will never get stains. A lot of horseback riding. (laughs) Right, right. Running on the beach. Um, So I think that my my guess is like they were inspired by HelloFlow and Dove has sort of started this you know, everybody's beautiful, be yourself campaign, and now it's become like a girl. I thought it was crazy effective, that ad. Yeah, I loved it. I just loved how blunt it was, you know? And and the point of, you know, like that whole idea of what do you think of when you ask someone to do something like a girl? And again, we'll post a, a link to the video if you've missed it. But, you know, if you tell a young girl, do something like a girl... And they, they've never heard that. They're going to do something, you know, with all their gusto. I just thought that the message was, you know, so, you know, it was subtle, but it really was right on that this is something that's taught to girls to not have high self-esteem. Well, I think it's also what's interesting is that it's taught to boys to be a put-down. Mm-hmm. Which I think is even more interesting. And I think there's the like a girl. um, And then I think as they get a little older, it becomes like you're so gay. Right. That's the other thing you hear when kids hit middle school and you're just like, really, they're still using that Mm -hmm. as an insult. Um, And I think it's a probably similar thing. What's so powerful in the commercial. And I think we're going to play a clip of it. Um, So then you'll hear it if you didn't see it on the Super Bowl. If you're one of the four people on the planet who wasn't watching (laughs) the Super Bowl, supposedly. So do you think you just insulted your sister? No. I mean, yeah, insulted girls, but not my sister. My name is Dakota, and I'm 10 years old. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Throw like a girl. Fight like a girl. What does it mean to you when I say run like a girl? It means run fast as you can. Um, But the fact that at the end, when they say there's a little boy and they say to him, you know, oh, so you just insulted your sister? And he was like, no, not my sister, just girls. And he was like... She was like, so your sister? And he was like, oh, no. Like, he couldn't even imagine his sister sort of running in this goofy, stupid style or not being able to throw a ball, right? Because I'm sure his sister's all kinds of awesome. Um, and I think, I think it's so powerful in that way because they never talk about having your period. Yeah. Um, it's just that branding, whereas Dove even does talk about Dove, right? Like, Dove, at some point, you see the women, like, they took a shower, or they washed their face, or their skin so soft. Yeah, because it's about their skin. Right. This was so much more subtle. And um, what's interesting is Always has a website that they've had for years called Being Girl. And that website was about getting your period and all that stuff about it, but it was also about all of this confidence and inspiring things. And again, it was never called like gettingyourperiod.com. It was called Being Girl. Um, and I think what's so interesting about this is now they are able to use social media. So when they promoted Like a Girl, it was the hashtag, right? And now you're supposed to tweet and share and Instagram your awesome Like a Girl moments. And I think it'll be really cool to see how that does. 
Well, you know, we just got finished talking about how this barrage of negative stuff that's hitting girls from media, and so we just need a ton more of this stuff. This is the only way to fight back. You can't keep your kids from media. That's their culture. So we just need more of this, and I think it's fantastic. I do, too. Andrea, what do you do like a girl? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I don't watch football like a girl. I mean, I actually understand football, which, because my son played football in high school, and I made it my business to understand and really, you know, at least I know what a first down is and I know what taking a knee is. And, I, and so I feel like that's totally not like a girl because girls aren't supposed to like or understand football. But you know what's interesting about that is that the Super Bowl is the number one most watched live performance by women all year. You know, everyone's like, oh, the Oscars are the Super Bowl for women. No, the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl for women. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and but it's, is that for football or is that for like the halftime show? No, that's for football. And the and women are a huge segment of the NFL audience, um, which I think they felt during the Ray Rice thing when there was such extraordinary blowback on them. Um, yeah. and, and not to get off topic, but I also thought that was an incredibly powerful commercial um, you know, aimed domestic right at the violence. heart of the NFL Michigan. Yeah. Um, yes, but then they followed it with the little blue ball talking about <laughs> deflated balls. <laughs> it was, I mean, the the juxtaposition of the two, it, it, it was awful and hilarious in it's a way that it shouldn't have been. Yeah, that should have been like a final commercial, right? Like yeah. just take fade a moment, to fade to black, and go back to what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. There was there was interesting. I, I mean, this commercial, that commercial. There were definitely quite a few commercials. There were a lot of like huggy, you know, daddies, great commercials that I think also were aimed at women I, or aimed at the fact that they recognize that parents were watching the right. Super Bowl with their kids. Like it but was then a, they went a little overboard with the, the nationwide commercial, you know, about oh, the, I mean, that was like awful. Just not what you talk about when everyone's sitting around in the TV room watching football. I mean, it's a terrible thing. And I feel sorry for anyone who's lost a child in an accident. Well, there, the same discussion was going on about the, the one that was talking about keeping kids safe, keeping things from falling on them. And you know, yes, it just it was the wrong moment. It was the wrong mood. On the other hand, did it get that message out in front of a whole bunch of people who might not have seen it otherwise? Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably, yeah. Just, but it just was like a you know, like a lot of those commercials were downers. They were very depressing. I mean, even the puppy dog one, the Budweiser. You know, it was sad. It was heartwarming. <laughs> but you know, you're sad for a moment. Um, you know, there was nothing that was just really fun, exciting. Um, I actually did like the Coke, you know, the, I, I could not suspend disbelief about a Coke spilling into a computer and not frying it completely, <laughs> <laughs> but I did kind of like that one. Well, that is the other commercial I wanted to mention was it's the Coca-Cola Make It Happy campaign. And what I think is really cool about this campaign is they're doing the same thing. They're one of the, um, you can see all of them on YouTube, but one of them is taking like trolls on the internet and flipping the comments and there's like these teen ambassadors too there's a big promotion around it about taking the negative on social media Mm -hmm. and basically flipping it and making it happy and I think that idea of sort of empowering kids which goes back to our first segment with Jim Steyer that idea that you can have kids turning around the negative that they're seeing on social media because god knows adults are doing it (laughs) um is really interesting and i think it's interesting that coke is taking that position this it's a very much like an anti-bullying yeah um you know and i guess you know coke and that sort of have a coke and a smile i mean that goes way back that that tie into coke and happiness i like that make it happy campaign and teaching the world to sing in perfect harmony you know kind of like that that happy feeling um 
Yeah, I liked it. I liked the message. I mean, there were some good messages, just not all at the right time. But, but back to the Like a Girl campaign, I mean, that's, to me, such a teachable moment. And we've seen, we've seen stars even like Emma Watson. I know we've read about um, this new He for She campaign that, that she's doing on Twitter where she's kind of empowering girls to, to go after things that boys normally do. I mean, I think it's a real movement out there. I think so, too. And I think it's great. Um, what I liked about the Like a Girl campaign was how many boys were in it, in that ad. Because um, I, I think, I mean, I love what Emma Watts is doing, and I think it's important to empower girls. But I I personally believe that until men are on board, yeah, <laughs> it's very hard to make the headway necessary. Um, and so I think it's a lot about how we're raising boys. And so I think to include those boys and sort of getting showing a boy thinking about it was really interesting like the girls get it doesn't mean they're always gonna do it um but the boys have to buy in and i think that's when you start to see real change and i guess social media is a real tool where that can happen instead of you know sort of taking years and years and years maybe it starts to happen more immediately because you can start turning these things as stupid as it sounds that using a hashtag can create change sometimes it can um, and sometimes at least it's a step towards empowerment, I think, that kids can feel proactive about, and, and then that gets followed up by real action. Yeah. So we're all for it. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone out there hated the Like a Girl ad, I want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to you because then you're just a jerk. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe I'm sure there's going to be some critique today. I know there's a huge bunch of pushback against the new Dove Love Your Curls campaign, which as a curly-haired girl who hasn't worn her hair curly in 10 years or more, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying 10, 15, um, I, there's been a huge pushback on that too well i saw pushback on facebook um about the like a girl ad that they didn't they didn't like that a, a pad company was telling them how to behave but they liked the ad so everybody likes the ad like i don't a, know i think there's one thing every girl has in common is that yeah. you get your period and it's one thing that makes you different than boys it's that's yeah. that's one of them yeah, absolutely <laughs> and if there's one i mean I, you know again i i think i kind of watched it waiting thinking who is this sponsored by wow who's sponsoring mm -hmm. this you know i wasn't sure and if it's a pad company, you know, it's something, it is, it's something that all girls have in common, and it's a message that probably not a lot of people are talking about to boys. Right. Well, there was a brilliant ad going around um, Facebook recently, going around everywhere with all of the women fighting about all of the things that moms fight about, um, you know, vaccinations and, 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 you know, all that. And the ad uh, was produced by a formula company. And the, the thing that I found really interesting is that nobody was really offended. And I know a lot of people who are like rabidly anti-formula. Mm -hmm. Nobody seemed to be offended that it was produced by a formula company. They just loved the ad. I don't know how many people realized it. Ha. Huh. You know, and I think, uh, I don't even want to get into that, but like the formula <laughs> company has been trying to make that the case, that it's about judgment for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, so then it was now everyone knows. So go, <laughs> go to it, people. Go jump on whoever it was, infamil, similac, who knows. Um, yeah. So everyone should definitely check out the Like Girl and participate. And if you are participating, let us know. If you have your daughters participating, if you're participating, I think it's cool. I want my daughters to post some stuff, but they're they're probably like horrified if I suggest it. But um, yeah, but we'll they do it. Well, they just I don't know that you friends. should post a picture of your kid on social media with the Like a Girl hashtag. But you know that that they probably would be horrified mm. at. But I think it would be really interesting to. No, I want them to do it. You want, want them to do it. I want them to like do something like a girl. Um. I that fix things around the 
I fix things around my house like a girl. That's what I do. (laughs) Way better than my husband. It would be great to see if some schools pick up on this and try to promote it and go with the hashtag, you know, and kind of use the entree of doing something on social media as a way to, um, you know, extend this. Right. Well, let's throw that gauntlet down. Maybe Always actually has some stuff we should actually look into. If we have resources, we will share them with everybody. All right. Now we're going to segue into our digital dilemma, which is... Valentine's Day. Why is Valentine's Day? Like when you're younger, it's awful because you don't know if you're going to have a Valentine and all that stuff. And then you have someone and the pressure's on and what they're going to get you and what you're going to get them and what your Valentine's Day is going to be like. And then you become a parent and somehow Valentine's Day becomes all about your kids. Yeah, I never got that. I, I, I really am like over it. <laughs> I can't. I'm so awful. But I was at Target this weekend, which is like my favorite thing because I live in the city and never get to go to Target. And um, we were in the suburbs. So I'm like, I'm going to Target. And the Valentine's Day section was so insane. And when my daughters were little, I loved it. Like I would do the marshmallows and this and that. <laughs> and I was so happy that my daughters were now in seventh grade and they're not giving out <laughs> any Valentine's to anyone. I don't have to do anything. Well, I always used to leave it up to my kids. I would tell them, I will buy those stupid little, you know, Transformer and Princess cards if you want to fill out the envelopes and hand them out. And my son never wanted to and my daughter daughter always wanted to. So I just put it on them. Well, they're interesting. I know. There is some really cool stuff out there, though, now. I mean, I remember having to go buy, you know, 30 or 32 of those little little fold-up cards, you know, and write them all out so that my son could hand them all out in kindergarten thinking, this is the stupid, like, the stupidest thing ever, like, the biggest waste of my time. (laughs) Because they all just, like, spend the whole morning handing out cards to each other and have no idea what it means. Right. And there's always the one person who handmade them. Oh, right, and you get the like handmade card from that one kid, and you're like, really? <laughs> like, like, you just feel so bad. You don't want to throw it out. You don't know what to do with it. Well, you know, oddly enough, we we make fun of the Pinterest crafters a lot, um, but I think that this is actually one time when you want to go on Pinterest if you don't want to get that store bought card because. In this case, the Pinterest people have done most of the work for you. Like you can get these printable cards that you know they'll print up eight or ten to a sheet, and you just cut them out. You print them out on your own printer with cardstock, and some of them like you just have to punch a hole and add a ribbon or tie it around a lollipop or something. And they're really cute and they're really special, and they weren't bought at Target. And and so yay Pinterest crafters yay. in this case. I think That's it's the best awesome. Pinterest holiday. Yeah. That's awesome for inspiration too yes and there's amazing recipes this is my tip for valentine's day and i know andrea you've got like a bunch of real like digital apps and stuff but my tip is heart-shaped cookie cutters yeah if you have heart-shaped cookie cutters anything is now valentine's day your peanut butter and jelly sandwich valentine's day like you could just stick that stupid and i got like the one i have a pack from william sonoma where it's hearts in like every size that just nest into each other I'm not kidding. All you have to do is get that, and you are set. Every You can make little banana slice hearts, and everything's a heart, <laughs> and you are all done, and your lunchbox looks very Pinterest-worthy. That's fun. That's that my tip. That is a very cute thing to do for kids. I was looking up stuff that people could do, I, I, I guess not necessarily for your kids, but, I mean, there's a lot of apps out there that, like, if your kids, if your older kids want to write someone a card or write you a card or vice versa, there's um, love quotes app from, I think it's Skoll Labs, S-K-O-L, and we can post a link to it. But it gives like phrases from the web, or you can look up categories like funny, or I need a hug, or, you know, friendship kind of things, and you can find quotes, and they let you make your own personalized cards, so you can 
download images from the web and forward somebody a message or something using the cards. I like things where you can use your own pictures and make a card and send to somebody. I think Red Stamp does that too. Yeah, and Shutterfly. Shutterfly is always great for that, I think, in Minted. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now called um, PearTreeGreetings.com where you can get lots of, you know, they're like a quarter each or 30 cents each and you can put your kid's picture on them. They're very cute. I also like American Greetings has an app where you design the card and then they send a physical card. You which just I really took love. my recommendation oh, for the no. end of the show. Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Now I have nothing to talk about. Well, that's how that's how awesome it is. It, it is. It's really great. It's really, really fun to see. And um, and I think I was terrible at it when I tried it. Like, my card just looked like a four-year-old did it. But if your four-year-old does it, then it's cute. Yeah. <laughs> when you're, when you're 40 and you do it, it's not so cute. You know, and I hate to say, I mean, I know people like getting mail. I, I'm just all about the ones where I can do something online and hit send. And I don't even care if they take it, stamp it, and mail it, or just email it to them. You know, as far as I'm concerned, then it's done. I actually was not home for Valentine's Day last year, and I found, like, the best e-card for my husband because we always joke that we don't like people, and that's why we can't go on a cruise <laughs> or anything because we don't like to be with other people. And um, so I actually found a card that was basically like, you know, I was like, how did I find this online? But it wasn't. He was totally fine getting a digital version, and it was. It was like... You know, like, I love you because you hate everyone else. <laughs> it was like, you, know. you know what, Rebecca? I think my husband and I would be great with you guys. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Wow, um, what a bunch of people. As long as we all we sat at our own tables now. Yeah. But um, I, so. I do think there is something special about getting an actual physical card. I hate mail unless I can see that it's a greeting card. I do still like that. And I feel bad because I never send cards. But when I can create it online and they'll send it for me, I totally do that. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. But also like the love, the famous love sculpture. Um, you can get mold, so that's another like super easy. Everything I do is about food, but it's a super <laughs> easy thing to do because you just crack the egg in the mold and it comes out like a heart with the yolk <laughs> in the middle, and you look brilliant. Um, all about the hearts. I'm all about the hearts. They have like stamps that you can stamp the toast that say love. <laughs> that's really cute. So there's also some cooking apps, and I, I think yeah. this is kind of fun. And Amy, you're kind of like the chef here. You know, I keep waiting to taste some of that bread. But uh, you, you need to actually come into the studio for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll skate in. There's um, My Valentine Recipes. It's an iOS app. I think it costs a dollar. Um, but it's just really fun Valentine-themed recipes. And for me, like, I need to follow instructions. I'm not that creative. There's Valentine's Day Recipes Cupcake app. And it actually gives you, you know, designs that you can, you know, go from easy to difficult, but it gives you designs that you would be able to figure out how to do if you really were so inclined to decorate a cupcake. That's great. Amy, I think you're more likely than I am to do Again, decorate a cupcake. Just get pink and red (laughs) (laughs) M&M's. Put them in a heart shape. Put them in a heart shape when you're done. Um, Yeah, I love that stuff. So there's also an app called Invisible Boyfriend. (laughs) Since we're talking Valentine's Day. If you don't have a Valentine... Um, you can sign up and you design your own boyfriend and he will send you text messages <laughs> and a valentine. And they were saying it's sort of like that um, Siri episode of Big Bang Theory where he's in love with, you know, where Siri sort of, you know, he imagines her as the Cylon from um, 
Battlestar Galactica. So I'm going to get all my geek in in one thing. But um, he, it, it literally, I think you do pay for it. I think it's a monthly service. Oh, yeah. But it is, it is your month. So if you wanted to pretend you had a Valentine, um, or if you're, if you're a teenage daughter is, is worried or son um, would like to pretend they have a, a you know boyfriend in the Niagara Falls region yeah this then is, they can <laughs> this is the modern version of my boyfriend from Canada exactly awesome. um, they can just set that up and they'll get text messages and emails and probably even a Valentine's Day card from their invisible boyfriend that's not wow. creepy at that's all scary. that's really scary <laughs> Well, look look on your credit card bill for that. <laughs> You'll know if someone in your family or in your iTunes account that I'm going to recommend. All right. So that all. Andrea, did you have anything else for Valentine's well, so Day? The other one. So I'm all about radio stations right now because I have this, this fun new speaker in my kitchen that plays my uh, podcasts and music from my phone. So I'm about finding fun radio stations. And there is something called the Valentine Radio app. So you could put all kinds of love songs going on in your kitchen while you're cooking <laughs> your Valentine's Day dinner or eating. Um, so I like that as well. That's a good one. I think um, I think the important thing is, I'm just going to put this out to people, don't make Valentine's Day all about your kids. Obviously, do something for your kids. It's nice. But like, don't remember, don't forget your, I just don't remember, don't forget your significant other your spouse your yeah, anyone absolutely. who's who's like in there in it with you i would say um i think it's important for your kids to see yeah. you act that way towards each other and that they don't think that they are somehow the center of your love universe yes. um it is a romantic holiday right and so it's good i think that you should make sure that you're recognizing each other and i think it's always good for your kids to absolutely. see absolutely and it's a good you know it's good as amy just said it's it's supposed to be romantic if you have someone in your life for that and that's awesome and it's a good reminder you know to just tell tell your partner that you love them and appreciate them. Yeah, it's time for them, and they better reciprocate. Or <laughs> after Valentine's Day, we're going to have those stories on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the shame. All right. So with that, um, that was a lot of recommendations. But we are going to move into our parenting bites of the week—the one bite of information that every parent should know about. What do you have, Amy? I have one that you've already mentioned, Rebecca. Um, the Create <laughs> so a Card, <laughs> the Create a Card else. app from American Greetings, which is a, it's great because there. Pretty much every card ca- company has a way that you can go online or go into Walgreens or whatever, and you can make cards and you can print them out. But what I love about this one is that it's designed for kids to make the cards. And so they can sit there on the iPad and and make a card, and then, you know, with your permission, they can actually send it to Grandma or send it to you. And you get this actual physical card in the mail a few days later that was created by your kid, and you can put on pictures. They have stickers. It's really awesome. Yeah, I love it. Plus, it combines the tech with the physical, which yeah. I think is sometimes kids, when I tell my kids, like, make a card, they're so done making a card <laughs> by a certain age, but yeah. that they'll do. All right. How about you, Andrea? So I'm going to go with the heart thing here. <laughs> I'm talking about your heart rate. So I've been reviewing playing with the Microsoft Band, the fitness and activity tracker um, that came out, gosh, I think it came out right before the holidays last year. No, no it came out right be, right around my birthday in October because oh, October. I've been trying to get, it was supposed to be my husband's birthday present for me and we it's been months and there, it's sold out. Mi- there. Microsoft wasn't prepared for a hit. 
Wow, wow. And, and I do think, you know, aside from my biggest complaint, which is that it is just ugly and clunky <laughs> and does nothing for my wrist or my manicure. Maybe anything. you need to go on Pinterest and see if people are, like, blinging it out <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, I'm enjoying what it does, and there's two reasons why I enjoy this. First of all, I think the heart rate monitor is so cool because now I can go to the gym and I can take my cardio class and I can actually see my heart rate zone. I can see what my rate is and I can adjust what I'm doing at the gym, uh, which is usually walking out and leaving. But <laughs> I can adjust my workout based on where my heart rate is and that's instant feedback that I wasn't able to get before. But the other really important thing about this is it gives you notification. So if your kids are texting you, if you're in a meeting, if you're working, if you're at the gym, whatever, and you don't have your phone with you, a text message or you can set up VIPs for emails shows up on your wrist. And it's just a, a slight swipe of your wrist to see it so it's not very intrusive if you're in a business meeting. And you can't respond, which is fine. I don't want to respond from my wrist. <laughs> But it really lets me know, is there something urgent I need to attend to right now, or can this wait? And combining these notifications with the activity and the heart rate, to me, um, once they get the design worked out and make it look a little more beautiful, is a winner. It's interesting that you can't dictate a response and send it if you wanted to. I wouldn't want to type on a watch, but I'd like to be able to voice respond, maybe. Right, but then you're going to need connectivity. You know, this is kind of like it's right. a slave off your phone. So there's no extra fee, there's no charge, there's no cellular needed. You just, um, you can see, which to me is kind of all I really want. Because if I need to respond, then I'm going to excuse myself and go pull out my phone and respond. Right, then you get to leave the gym. You're <laughs> like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> and there's <laughs> a reason to leave the gym. And the nice thing about it and the reason that it's sold out is that it's not just for the three of us who have Windows phones. And by three, I don't mean the three of us. I mean the three people worldwide <laughs> who have Windows phones. Um, it, it's, it works on iOS and it works on Android, too. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. great. Finally. Because yeah, I did ha get the um, Asus ZenWatch in to look at, which I think is beautiful. And I would love to use it, and it doesn't work with iOS. Yeah, that's not good. All right, well, yeah. cool. That sounds Thank like a you? great recommendation. You just can't get it. Um, my recommendation <laughs> is um, it is a book and a podcast. So the book is called The Teenage Brain by Frances Jensen, MD. She's the head of neurology at University of Pennsylvania Medical Center. Um, it is so there was I learned about it because I was listening to the Fresh Air podcast with Terry Gross, um, which I've been listening to Fresh Air for, I don't know, 20 before it was a podcast when it was only a <laughs> when it was only a radio show. Um, and she has a fascinating interview with her, which we'll put a link to this episode. It's on the January 28th episode of Fresh Air where they, she kind of goes in depth. So I haven't read the book. I've just listened to her the podcast with her talking about the book, but I am going to actually go read it. And I actually want my daughters to read it. Um, it is so fascinating how different the teenage brain is than the adult brain and by adult i mean 30 plus because according to their studies now your brain its frontal lobe is developing through your low to mid 20s your brain is not fully developed until you're about 30 um because of the coding it gets all very technical but the that starts to coat the synapses and the cells of your brain, and that all starts from the back to the front. Mm. So in your teenage years, it's sort of like just starting, and that is why teenagers have low impulse control, 
because um, the frontal lobe is all about impulse control and empathy and risk taking and consequences and all that stuff and they don't have that yet um but what she talks about is how because they don't have that yet their brain is like literally like more open so learning is much easier and developing memories is much easier and all that great stuff but conversely because it's more open it's way more susceptible to brain damage from drugs and alcohol um that there really is a much stronger effect on the teenage brain long term um that's just fascinating um and also i mean all these things on how on why teenagers are more likely to become addicted to things including technology it's all about this actual physical development of the brain that they're now can see with these functional mris all this stuff um and so trying to take all of that and understand why teenagers act the way they do and sort of constructing a better learning environment for them better world for them and having them try to understand um, their their world and the implications longer term, which is always the hard thing with teenagers. Um, so I think it's just incredibly fascinating. It's really interesting. And also so many people, I think, expect kids in college, you know, to really be a full-fledged adult and be able to make decisions. And, you know, to, to know that their brain isn't fully developed yet um, is really, you know, a concept that I don't think many people are aware of. Not at all. And I think because, um, you know, she said that the brain is the last organ to develop, basically. So I think once kids go through puberty and they look like a man or look like a woman, you think they should act like it. Yeah. And it, it's probably, like, not great that they go off to college and are on their own at that age um, <laughs> or are put into the military or, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, they There's just, on the other hand, it's a great time for learning. It is the best time for learning in your life. Um, but it is really, it's really, really interesting. And, you know, they've had a lot of these studies about sleep in teens. Now they should be starting school later, that there actually is like a biological clock that's happening to teens where they're programmed to stay up later um, and can't fall asleep earlier. And they need, but they need the same amount of sleep. There's all those studies that are going on now that are showing that. But if you think about it, like kids learn to drive at 15, 16, like oh my God. all these behaviors that we give to kids because we kind of need them to, right? We have that free range discussion a couple weeks ago, you know, where your kids need to be more independent and need to learn. But there really is this lack, true lack of impulse control. And I think parents just get really frustrated and society gets really frustrated. The kids make these horrible, rash decisions. But there is something really going on. And it, I, it was really fast. It's a really fascinating um, podcast if you listen to it and made me really want to read the book, which I'm going to do. And I just recommend it. Check out the podcast and see if you want to read the book, too, because it sounds awesome. It does sound awesome. Um, all right. We'll put so, a link up to that. Yes, we'll put a link up to everything we talked about today. We'll be on our Facebook page on facebook.com slash Parenting Bites. You can follow us on Twitter at Parenting underscore Bites because someone else is squatting on our real name. Don't <laughs> get them. Yeah, but please visit our Facebook page. Um, and let us know what you thought. Give us any questions. If you're facing a digital dilemma, we'd love to hear about it and talk about it on air. Please visit us in the iTunes store, Parenting Bites. It's with a Y, B-Y-T-E-S. Rate us, review us. Please subscribe and share episodes if you enjoyed them with other people. Um, that's how we get found in the iTunes store. So thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea, via telephone. <laughs> Hopefully the weather will abate and someday we'll see Andrea in person again. Um, <laughs> it's actually blizzarding right now while we're right wrapping now. up These this are podcast. These like the biggest flakes I've seen in the yeah. past 24 hours. So for those of you on the West Coast and in Florida, we are jealous. Um, but that's Thanks. it for today. Thank you so much. And we will Thanks, be back guys. next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.